you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org. And now, a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Glad you're here. At, you are here at The Rock of Gainesville. Super glad that you are with us today. Don't, don't you love the platform? Doesn't that look good? Yeah. Oh, you can do better than that. Doesn't it look good? Kind of leftovers from the ladies' night. Had a fantastic ladies' night. I know you ladies, obviously, many, many, many of you were here, and so it was a great night. Thanks for all that took part to help putting that together and for Pastor Suzanne's leadership. Everything begins with leadership. Yeah, go ahead and put your hands together and say, thank you, Pastor Suzanne. Everything begins with leadership. And so uh, it was a great night, and we uh, just thought it would really be cool to let you men even see a part of what kind of went on here. So we left some of this up, and it looks really cool. And I'm enjoying being up here with it. Pretty neat. Hey, glad you guys are here. Uh, Just before I get into the Word, let me remind you, there's some great things that we would really encourage you to do to be a part of here at the Rocket Games. One is prayer, man. We're having some fantastic prayer times on Tuesday morning and right before first service. And I would really encourage you to be a part of those. Tuesday morning, 6.15, we get you out of here by 7, but the body of Christ gets together and just has a fantastic time praying together. And then before first service, man, at uh, 8.45, we get in here and there's just a great army of believers that are coming in and praying and really setting the stage for a powerful time in our first and our second service. So encourage you to be a part of that. Also, growth track. Man, there's a growth track going on right now, a new one will start the 1st of April. And again, Growth Track, guys, is not for someone around here that's new. It's for newbies, but it's also for some of you that have been around here for a while, really wanting to find out ways you can kind of get in, get involved, and serve here at The Rock, and uh, really would encourage you to be a part of Growth Track. During Growth Track, we'll talk about the third thing I want to talk about, which is connect groups. Needs you to be in a connect group. Listen, guys, There are some things that just are not going to take place in your life outside of a relationship connection. Joe, you missed a good place to shout right there. It's just not going to happen. You need to be in a relationship connection, and those connect groups provide that for you. So uh, if there's anything I can do to serve you there to help that out or be a part of Growth Track, you'll find out more about it and uh, would really encourage you to sign up. A new one starting the first Sunday in April, and it's going to be a blast for you. All right, why church? Why church? And let me just say a big thank you to Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne for letting me be a part of this series on this particular day. And we, uh, Pastor George set a fantastic uh, uh, standard last week for getting the foundation out for why church. I'm going to take one of his points and kind of expound on that, and I'm going to talk about the purpose of the church. And my title this morning is Church on Monday. Church on Monday. And so in talking about the purpose of the church, guys, the church basically has kind of a twofold purpose. One is to come together just like we're doing this morning and exalt the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Come together, be built up, be encouraged, be edified, be instructed, fellowship with one another, and come to church and exalt the name of Jesus. And then the second purpose of the church is to go into the world and represent Jesus in a very anti-God culture and represent who he is and his kingdom and everything that he represents through us. So if I was going to say it this way in talking about 
why church, and particularly talking about church on Monday, here's what I would say. We come to church on Sunday, but we go to church on Monday. Now, I'll tell you like the first service, I'm preaching a whole lot better than you're shouting. We come to church on Sunday. We go to church on Monday. We come in here, and we're built up, we're strengthened, we're edified, and then we, again, we go into a very anti-God culture that's kind of opposed to everything you believe and everything you stand for, but we go there to represent Jesus and everything he's done in your life. And what an honor and a privilege it is to gather together, but then what an honor and privilege it is to go. Come on and say amen to that. It is a great privilege to go because you're going to go in a society that really, really, really wants to say they don't need you, but deep down they know they do. Deep down, they know they do. Let me give you a quote that I came across from one of my favorite writers. His name is Craig Rochelle. He pastors Life Church in Oklahoma City. Big church, but a great guy. And he says it this way. We just don't go to church. We are the church, and we were created for the world. We just don't go to church. Guys, if this is all we do, ho-hum. If this is all we do, then we're missing something. We just don't go to church. We are the church, and we were created for the world. We go to church, yeah, but we go to church to be built up so that we can then go minister to a lost and a dying world that needs Jesus. So we don't just go to church. We are the church, and we were created for the world. Let me show you another quote from a writer that I really enjoy. I read a lot of his stuff, and so do you. His name is Jesus. And he said the exact same thing, and this is how he said it. Go. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all of creation. Now, he's saying the same thing that Grotschel is saying, but he's using his words, but saying basically the same concept, that we gather together, we're built up, we're edified, and then we go and preach the good news. I told the first service because right before the first service, my friend Dave Cokert came to me and said he was listening to Ravi Zacharias this morning. And Ravi Zacharias said something that goes along with everything we're talking about, and it was so powerful. Here's what Zacharias said. If you really want to change the world, the best way to change the world is to be a part of a worshiping community. That's the best way to change the world. We can talk about legislation all day long, and it's good. We can talk about praying all day long, and it's really powerful because it sets the stage of that worshiping community. But the best way for you to change your world is to be a part of that worshiping community because it prepares you to go change the world. Now, why is that a big deal, PR? Here's why. Because everyone in this room is a gifted individual. Now, now we're getting there. Everybody in here is a gifted individual. Now, I know what we think a lot of times. You know, Pastor Ron, people tell me a lot that, you know, I'm gifted or I have these giftings and I have this ability. But, you know, I really just don't know that I feel real gifted. Well, if for no other reason, let me tell you what you're gifted with. You're gifted with the good news. You are gifted with the good news. Because Jesus wouldn't tell you to go preach the good news if he had not given you the good news. 
You are gifted with the good news. And then here's what happens. All of us gifted people, you're gifted, you're gifted, you're gifted, you're gifted, you're gifted, you're gifted. All of this gifted body comes together and goes into an anti-God society and we join together and something very, very God-honoring happens. And that is we have the opportunity to change the world and see greatness in other people. Listen, achieving greatness is absolutely impossible without seeing greatness in one another. Achieving greatness in the kingdom is absolutely impossible without seeing greatness in one another. Now, when I look at that anti-God society and I look at that anti-God culture, I look around and say, I don't know how much greatness I really see. Well, Jesus did. Jesus sat on the hillside of Jerusalem and overlooked that city and saw the potential and the greatness of that city. Saw the ability that was there. So it's our, our opportunity to see greatness in other people and that part of that world that's very, very challenging. And by seeing that greatness, see the kingdom uh, exalted in a very anti-God world. My context this morning is 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I really like second, first and 2 Timothy, actually. I like both books. And uh, I think because there's so much uh, instruction as to how to do this thing that we call church in First and Second Timothy. The context is this. Paul is writing to his young son, Timothy, and he's doing it for a couple of reasons, mainly for practical, just good, solid, practical instruction. The second reason is this. They're establishing the church. They're not establishing a building. They're not establishing an auditorium. They're establishing the church. And in establishing the church, Here's what they're dealing with. They're dealing with a, a real large segment of false teachers. And think about this when I tell you. Here's what they're dealing with. These false teachers are saying this. You know, I really don't think you need to believe or you have to believe everything in that Word of God. You know, if it feels good for you, do it. If it makes you feel better, do it. But I don't know that you really have to believe everything in that thing called the Word of God. Now, we're dealing with the same thing today that Paul and Timothy dealt with. It's called moral relativism. So is is it really good for you? Well, then fine, do it. If it's not, don't worry about it. If it makes you feel good, then then go for it. They're dealing with the same thing 2,000 years ago as they attempt to establish this church in Macedonia. Paul's in Rome but Timothy's in Macedonia or Thessalonica. And they're dealing with these false teachers that are saying this, you know, I just don't know that all of that is the truth. Man, you're going to walk into a culture tomorrow is going to tell you the exact same thing. They're going to say, well, is there, is there really, truly absolute truth? Do you really believe that? Again, it's called moral relativism. Is that really the case? And so you're going to find the same thing. So let's read what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's start reading in verse 1. I'll read it and you can follow along. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. What's the charge? Come to church on Sunday, go to church on Monday. There's the charge right there. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct? Rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Here we go. Here's our culture 
designed and described 2,000 years ago by Paul to Timothy, but our culture today. Watch the words. Here we go. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers. Watch this, guys. Watch this, guys. A great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to myths. But you, I love this line right here. One of my favorite lines in this passage. But you, keep your head in all situations. Just relax. It's going to be crazy out there. There are going to be people opposing you out there. They're staying against you. And the heat, it's going to kind of get turned up. Don't worry about it. Relax, chill. Keep your head in all situations. Why is that a biggie? I'll tell you why. Get this principle right here. Pressure always magnifies. Pressure always magnifies. Pressure will take something that's really, really small in your life and make it really, really big in your life. And Paul was aware of that as he was talking to Timothy. He said, man, in this anti-God culture of 2019, keep your head and relax and just do the right thing and endure hardship. Look at the last phrase. Good practical instruction. Do the work of an evangelist and discharge all the duties of your ministry. We're going to talk about that before we wrap up. So I come to church on Sunday. I go to church on Monday. What does church on Monday look like? Here we go. Church on Monday means this, sending the right message. Church on Monday means we come together, we're encouraged, we're built up, we're taught, we're instructed in the Word, we get the right message, and then we go to church on Monday and we give the right message. Man, I tell you what, guys, I'm preaching a whole lot better than you're shouting. You got to come with me right now. That's what we do, man. We come in here and we, we love on one another and we hug on one another, and then we get together and we worship God, and Jamie leads us, and the team leads us to a place of worship, and then pastor comes up here and gives us great instruction, and we get that as we come to church on Sunday, and then we take all that that's been packaged in who we are, and we go to church on Monday, and we send the right message to a very confused world, a fragmented world. A double-minded world that's got all kinds of thoughts. They're really looking for the right message, but they're looking in all the wrong places. And as they look for that right message, they think they're finding it, but they're really not. But when we come along, because we've come to church on Sunday, and then we've gone to church on Monday, we come along with the right message. With the right message. Preach the word. How many of you know we are always preaching the word? We really are. We're always preaching the word. We're preaching the word with our words. We're preaching the word with our actions. We're preaching the word with our body language. We're preaching the word with our lifestyle. We're always preaching the word. Here's why that's important. The world really wants to believe that God is a good God. How we represent him makes that possible. You know, I know for a fact, guys, that the world really wants to believe that God is a good God. Why? Two reasons. Number one, I know there's a hole in their heart that's only going to be filled by the anointing of God. There's an empty place in their spirit 
that's only going to be filled by the presence of the Father. The second reason is I know that, that they really want to believe that God is good because what they're trying is not working. Man, they're giving it their best shot. They're partying like it's 2019. They're giving it everything they got and what they are trying to find to fill that hole in their heart, it's just not working. They really want to believe that God is good and how we represent him makes that possible. Here's what Jesus does. Tag, you're it. Tag, you're it, man. Here's what he's saying. I've already been the salt of the earth. Now it's your turn. I've already been the light of the world. Now it's your turn. I've already been a representation of my father on the face of the earth. Tag, you're it. Now it's your turn. I'm going to be at the right hand of God the Father. I'll pray for you while you represent my kingdom. But tag, you're it. Hey, how many of you played tag when you were a kid? How many of you were really, really good at it? You were fast. You were like Pastor George. You were a gazelle. And you could move around. And nobody could catch you. And people would charge after you thinking, I got him, I got him. And then all of a sudden he would kick in afterburner and he was gone and you missed him. How many of you are like Pastor Ron? You're still it from the last game you played. <laughs> Move like an albatross. They clocked my 40 time with a calendar. So, you know, it's okay. Tag, you're it. It's a great game, man. I told the first service, I read an article a while back about a lady named Georgina Wilkinson. She and six others play a game of tag every year from June to December. Here's the trick. Wherever you are, and if you're it, you've got to go to where someone else is to find them and tag them so that they will become it. Now, you may live in California. The person you have to tag lives in Mississippi, but you've got to go to wherever they are and tag them so that they will be it. Georgina Wilkinson last month traveled 4,000 miles to sneak up on somebody and tag them, you're it. It's a little extreme, isn't it? It's a little extreme. The, the game, if I can use that word that Jesus is playing with us today and saying, tag, you're it, it's really not a game, it's real life. It's pretty extreme too, but I'm not worried about it because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And he's prepared you to be able to say, tag, you're it, and you be the salt of the earth, and you be the light of the world. Number two, church on Monday means this. It means seeking the right instruction. We're going to come together. We're coming together today, and we're getting the right instruction because we've come to church on Sunday, and then we take that right instruction into the world on Monday. We come to church on Sunday. We go to church on Monday with the right instruction. Look at verse 3 and verse 4. Here we go. And again, as I read this, just get in your mind. Don't get in your mind Macedonia. Get in your mind Gainesville. Come on, somebody. Oh, get in your mind Gainesville. Because that's how games will look, right? It looks right here. Come on, let's read together. I'll read it out loud. You follow along. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. I, I don't know if I like that. Tell me one more thing. 
I, I don't know if that, that really settles with me. Why don't, why don't you say it? Tell me a different way. How, how many of you like my illustration? The first service didn't get it at all, so you guys are smarter than they are. Come. They, they, want, they want to hear what their itching ears want to hear. I, I don't know that I like the way you said it. Say it a little bit better so I like it a little more. So they will hear what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to myths. Here's what we've got to understand, guys. The time's going to come where we gather together like we do on Sunday, and then we're going to come to church on Sunday, but then we're going to go to church on Monday. We gather together, we get built up and edified, instructed. Why? Because living called, listen to me now, living called is being a lifelong learner. Being called is being a lifelong learner. What do you mean by that, Pastor Ron? Look at it right there. Faith comes by hearing, not having heard. Mm. I'm not relying on day old man. Faith comes by hearing. Everything about the nature of faith implies a relationship with God that's current. I'm hearing. I'm getting instructed. I'm getting built up. I'm getting edified. I'm getting taught. My faith is not having heard. I'm not relying on what Pastor George said last year. I'm relying on what God is speaking today through me in this house as we gather together as a church of God. Nothing what he said a year ago. It was good instruction. But I want the freshness of God to make sure that my faith is implying a relationship with God that's current. Somebody asked me not long ago, said, Pastor Ron, what does it mean to be discipled? What, what does discipleship mean? And I know there's probably a lot of different definitions for something like that, but what came out of me that particular day was this definition right here. Discipleship to me means this, that I set aside the rest of my life to learn how to follow Jesus, knowing that the end of that journey will not happen until I stand in front of him face to face. That's a lifelong journey of learning and learning and learning and learning. Two of the greatest characteristics in the body of Christ. Here we go. Write them down if you're taking notes. Humility and teachability. Humility and teachability. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah says these words right here. Now, let me give you the context. Isaiah says these words in the context of Israel being a reprobate, rebellious nation. A nation that's been given over to the Babylonians and to the Assyrians and to all kinds of false gods. He writes it in the context of a nation that's really, really, really struggling, really trying to find their identity, really trying to find their purpose. And Isaiah writes Isaiah chapter 6 in that context, and here's what he says. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And he describes what he sees. But I'm going to go on from there and understand. This is what he says. He says, woe is me, for I am a man that's undone. And I am a man of unclean lips. That's what Isaiah did. What he did not do in the midst of a rebellious nation is point his finger at a rebellious nation. See, here's what we have a tendency to do. All of these problems we have, it's their fault. All these problems we have is because there are rebellious people out there. All these problems we have is because they're not following the way of God. All these problems we're having out there, it's all their fault. And so that's why we're dealing with what we're dealing with. That's what Isaiah did not do. 
Isaiah said, woe is me, humility, for I am a man that is undone, humility, and I am a man of unclean lips, humility. And then here's what he says. He says, Lord, show me what I must do, teachability. Two of the greatest characteristics in the kingdom, humility and teachability. Look, guys, we're going to come to church on Sunday, and we're going to get built up and edified, and we're going to get hugs, and we're going to love each other, and we're going to get instruction, and we're going to feel great, and we're going into an anti-God world tomorrow. Don't go out there and point your finger at them. Just go out there and love them the way Jesus would. Be a preacher of truth. Be a preacher of truth but with great patience and practical instruction. Be a preacher of truth, but with the compassion of Jesus. It's, it's constant instruction. It's constant learning. It's constant understanding of who we are becoming as the bride of Christ. Revelation 19.7, pastor kind of touched on this last week, but I'm going to touch on it again. Is that okay? Thank you. Revelation 19.7, he's coming back for a bride that is making herself ready. He's coming back for a bride that's making herself ready. And Pastor gave a great illustration of what a bride would be like back there that had not made herself ready. Those doors fling open, and there's the bride. Her hair in curlers. No makeup. The most beautiful pink bathrobe you've ever seen. Fuzzy, big, big pink slippers. There she is, a bride that has not made herself ready. What would you do, Mr. Groom? I know exactly what you would do. I had the privilege of standing at the altar of the Lord, me and Pastor George did with Tyler, as he waited for that door open, that door to open, and there stood Rachel. And I was standing up front with Pastor George, and we were waiting and waiting and waiting, and then all of a sudden, then the door opens up. And there is Dr. J.R. and Rachel and Tyler standing next to me. Couldn't help himself. What just flowed out of him were these words. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sure everybody in the place could hear because, man, he was pumped. His bride was there, had made herself ready. Now, if Rachel was standing there in curlers, if she was standing there in a pink bathrobe, he would have said the same thing, but the tone would have been totally different. <laughs> It would have been totally different. Why? That's not a bride that's made herself ready. Jesus is coming back for a bride that seeks careful instruction and is making herself ready. Number three, church on Monday means this, serving. I love this one right here. Church on Monday means serving in someone else's world. Verse five, keep your head. Just relax. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist and discharge the duties of your ministry. Listen, guys, how many of you have gone, have come to church on Sunday, and you've gone to church on Monday, and you've been witnessing to Billy Joe Jim Bob for years and years and years and years, and there's no change. There's no change. You're saying, Pastor Ron, I have ministered to that person for years and for years and for years and for years. What do I do? I'll tell you what you do. You keep sowing. You keep sowing. Here's why. God guarantees his word will return, will not return void. He doesn't guarantee that it will be immediate. Keep sowing. Just keep sowing. All right, Pastor Ron, how do I keep sowing 
in this world when I go to church on Monday? Here's how. How do I keep sowing? The Bible says this in 2 Timothy 4, do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. What does that mean? Well, you know, Pastor Ron, I'm really trying to grasp my, my thoughts around that because I'm not very evangelistic. I'm not very good at sharing my faith. I'm not very good at witnessing. And so you're telling me to do the work of an evangelist, and I'm just not very good at it. And here's point number two. If I've got to do it like that guy on TV, I don't want to do it. My word to you is if you're going to do it like that guy on TV, don't do it. Here's why. Not a slam to them. Don't stay in your lane. Here we go. Come on, somebody. Stay in your lane. Be the evangelist God called you to be. Be the evangelist God called you to be. You know, when I look through Scripture, man, I see all kinds of different evangelists. I see Peter. Peter is what I would call a confrontational evangelist. Day of Pentecost, the blind man, a lame man is healed at the beautiful gate. And all of a sudden, they come along trying to trick Peter and they say, who is it or how is it that this man was healed? And Peter says, well, I'll tell you how he was healed. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you tried to crucify, but God raised from the dead, does this man stand before you whole? confrontation. Now that's not me. That's not me, but it might be you. There's also Paul who I would call a debating style. The Bible says Paul would sit at the steps of the temple in Athens with the Greek philosophers and he'd go back and forth. Well, do do you really think that? Well, let me ask you a question. Oh, that's a good thought, but how about this? He would sit there and debate with them. You know, some of you would be great debaters. I know who you are. I know your style. I know your personality. You'd be a great debater. That's not me. There was a lady who had a real questionable background, caught in adultery. She comes to Jesus. Jesus literally reads her mail, if I can say it that way, ministers to her, sees her life changed and turned around. She goes back into her city. And here's what she says, invitational evangelism. Come see a man come see a man. Come see a man that told me everything about my background. Come see a man that told me things about me that nobody else could know. Here's how you're going to do it. Why don't you come to church with me on Sunday? Invitational evangelism. There's a lady in Acts chapter 9 and verse 10. Her name is Dorcas. Funny name, powerful lady. She changed her city by serving her city. Literally, she turned a city around by doing this. What can I do for you? Let me help you with that. How about if I do this for you? No, 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 no. Let me take care of that for you. And literally, the Bible says in Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 10 that a city was turned around because one little lady served her city into the kingdom of God. Everybody look at that wall right there. Can a city be reached in a week by serving a city? You better believe we can reach our city. Maybe not the entire city. I don't know, but we can reach people by serving our city. Number two, discharge. How do I keep sowing? Discharge the duties of your ministry. I'm going to do the work of an evangelist, and as I do it, I'm going to discharge the duties of my ministry. What does that mean? Come to church on Sunday, and then go represent Jesus on Monday. 
just go represent Jesus on Monday. Let me tell you why. Your existence is evidence that this generation needs something your life contains. There's something in you. I don't know what it is, man. And it's not the same thing I have. But there's something in you that this generation needs. And here's why that's a big deal. Guys, we have for too long let society be the standard bearer. It's time for the church to set the standard, not go down to their level, but cause them to rise up to our level in Jesus' name. Set a righteous standard. Set a righteous standard. Thank God for Congress. Thank God for what they're doing. Thank God for legislation. I'm not talking about passing a new law. I'm talking about representing Jesus that causes a world to see a righteous standard. Not a new law that got on the books. Cool with law. Not slamming it. But seeing a representation of a people that represents Jesus. Here's why that's a big deal. Anybody can get bold after God shows up. Anybody can get bold after God shows up. God's building a church that will get bold so he can show up. I'm about to close, but I'm going to say it one more time. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. So I'm going to read it again, and then you're going to respond. Anyone can get bold after God shows up. God's building a people that will, show, that will get bold so he can show up. That's the church of Jesus Christ. We come to church on Sunday. We go to church on Monday. So he'll show up in an anti-God world that really, really, really does want to know God's goodness. They want to know the legitimacy of God's goodness. And they're looking for the legitimacy of God's goodness. And they're going to see it in you. You know, when I was talking about Rachel and Tyler, I talked about Rachel stand. I'm sorry, Tyler standing up there and seeing that beautiful wife. I can't help but believe that he is making a bride that will go into society and they will see you. And by seeing you, will see something that's very beautiful because of Jesus in you. Bow your heads. Father, in Jesus' name. I pray over the people of God today. Father, I thank you for us having the opportunity to be a part of this wonderful living body called the Church of Jesus Christ. I thank you for all the benefits. I thank you for all the blessings. I thank you for all the encouragement. I thank you for the strength, the joy, the mercy, the peace, all the characteristics that come from being a part of the body of Christ because you are the head of the church. And all those characteristics flow down from you. So I thank you, Lord, for allowing us to know Jesus as our Savior and Lord and be a part of this wonderful church. And Father, I pray over people that may be here today that aren't a part of that that moving force called the body of Christ because they've never accepted you as Jesus, as Savior and Lord. They've never accepted Jesus into their life. So I pray over them right now. Father, I just ask you in Jesus' name, just minister to them, just love them with that wonderful, compassionate God love. And just touch their heart as we get ready to wrap up and just show them the importance of surrendering their life so that they too can enjoy everything we've talked about 
because we are a part of the body of Christ. Every head bowed, nobody's looking around just for a second as we get ready to close. You're here today and that's who you are. Nothing wrong with that, but that's kind of where you are in life. You're not a part of this wonderful living, breathing force called the church of Jesus Christ because you've never accepted Jesus into your life. But you're here today and you've sat under everything I've said. You've been challenged by it. And you say, you know, Pastor Ron, that's, that's the move I want my life to make. I want my life to make a move of becoming a part of everything you've talked about as you have defined the church. Would you please pray for me as I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord and become a part of that, that force called the church and then able to enjoy this, those benefits. Would you pray for me today? Put your hand up right where you are. Right where you are. Right where you are. Fantastic. Yes, thank you, sir. You can put it right back down. Anybody else join my friend here? Right where you are. I, I, I'm just at that place where I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord and become part of that wonderful thing you've talked about today, Pastor Ron, called the church. Anybody else want to join my friend before I pray? Fantastic. Okay, we're going to pray. Again, every head bow, every eye closed. Here's how we're going to pray, and here's why. The Bible says real clearly in Romans chapter 10, if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again, I can accept him as my Savior and Lord. So that's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're all going to pray together. But as you raised your hand today, you pray out of your heart and ask Jesus to come into your life. And that's exactly what he's going to do. So we're going to pray together right now. Everybody praying out loud. Jesus, I come to you today. And I ask you to be my Savior and to be my Lord. As I ask that, I am asking you to forgive me of my sins. I say out loud right now that I want your forgiveness. I want to be forgiven. I want the old to be gone and the new to start. And I want you to be my Savior and I want to follow you as Lord. And so right now, Jesus, I repent and I declare that I want to follow you. And in doing so, I receive the blessing and the joy of being a part of that church, that body of Christ, moving forward, growing every day. Father, I thank you for loving me enough to let me ask Jesus into my life. And I do so today, very, very thankful. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, put, the, put your hands together as we've had people come into the church today. Amen, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this message from The Rock of Gainesville. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org.